there are very few names more iconic in the NFL than Goodell. Roger Goodell has been the NFL's commissioner since 2006, but there's another Goodell moving and shaking things up in the league. Jane Skinner Goodell, yes, wife of Roger, has been a trailblazer in amplifying the stories of women in the league. She's produced a documentary, A Lifetime of Sundays, that chronicles four NFL matriarchs and is currently producing a podcast and NBC television series called Earning It, the NFL's forward progress. I told Jane that we're kindred spirits in the work we're doing to amplify women in the game, and I'm so honored that she joins me today for this episode of the Purple Chair Podcast. Let's dive in. Well, I'm so excited to have you on today, like I said, because I feel like we're kind of kindred spirits with the podcast that we're working on. For me, the goal of this podcast, the Purple Chair podcast, was to highlight voices that you don't typically hear from both in our organization and the NFL. You know, we hear from the men a lot, and I think it's there's a really so many powerful women in and around this organization. I just think it's really important to amplify those voices. And you're working on this really cool project with the NFL called the Earning It Podcast, the NFL's Forward Progress. And for fans who might not know, it's a new podcast that features the stories of women in the NFL from the field to the front office. And it's hosted by the NFL Senior Director of Diversity and Inclusion, Sam Rappaport. So how did this podcast kind of come about initially? Well, first, I agree with you, Cassie, that we are kindred spirits, except for you have a much better name for media, Cassie Calvert. If I had had that name, I would have like really gone places in my TV career. (laughs) Jane Skinner is not quite as exciting as that. So it's a perfect uh, podcast host name. Um, Well, you know, the podcast that we're doing, Earning It, is a companion to a series, a TV series that I'm producing with NFL Films and NBC Peacock. And it's really what I really have wanted to do is I've had this kind of 50 yard line seat to watch this project uh, and progress. I'm sorry, being made with women coming into the league. Um, and I wanted to chronicle it because I felt like it's happening so fast in five, six mm. years. Um, how much has changed? We're seeing coaches on the field and now two female officials uh, working Sarah Thomas and Maya Chaka and then behind the scenes in front offices and owner suites. You know, it's all just kind of exploding. And I really wanted to make sure that we have it down um, so people understand A, what's happening and also B, how it's happening and how very much um, the men are involved in this. And they, of course, need to be as I like to say, my pet peeve is women speaking to women about women's progress, Mm -hmm, right? We're not getting mm -hmm. anywhere. And, um, you know, on this podcast for a good example of that is the Washington football team coach, Ron Rivera is said he was the first to raise his hand, um, for, uh, when somebody suggested when our podcast host, Sam Rappaport suggested creating this pipeline for women, he said, I'm in, what do I have to do? I'll show up. I'll meet anybody. I want to hire someone. Um, so in any case, it's, so it's kind of come out of my, my, um, passion for storytelling uh, to do the series and also do the podcast. I pitched the podcast to iHeartMedia and said, I kind of have an idea for who might be a great host. Um, it's not me. It's not somebody who is a sportscaster or been in television before or on air in, or in radio. Um, it's this woman who had the guts really about seven or eight years ago, Sam, to say to my husband, Roger, on a high school football field when they were there for a flag football tournament, um, and when he said to her, how are you doing, Sam? And she said, great, Kamish, I have a dream. And she just spoke <laughs> it. And she said, I was a, she's a former professional women's tackle quarterback. There are tons of them in this country, uh, players, women, professional players. And she said, I have all these smart football minds that are my friends. They just happen to be female mm-hmm. minds. And there's no way for them to, to access the NFL. 
If you're Bill Belichick, you know how the path works and how you could become potentially a, a coach or a head coach someday. There is no pipeline for women. And I would love to see if we could create one. And, you know, to his credit, he said, call me Monday. So um, it has been, you know, it hasn't been easy uh, by any means, but it's been fascinating to watch. And so I pitched her and they said, she sounds great. And so then I had to call Sam and say, hey, uh, I think I just... <laughs> got you an extra job. And she said, I have a full-time job. I have no idea how to be a podcast host, but in her way, because she is, has so much energy and such a great voice and is a great storyteller. Um, I said, she said, uh, I'll, I'll try it. I'll give it a shot and we'll see what happens. And so we're now six episodes into it. And the beauty of having her, she's a natural <laughs> and the beauty of having her as the host is that she has built this pipeline and brought these women into the game with her guests. So when Ron Rivera comes on, he's going to give a, I can guarantee you a much better interview with Sam Rappaport than with somebody else, because they have done the work together. Um, and she's close to a lot of these female coaches and the Sarah Thomases of the world. Um, so it's been really, she's kind of dug interesting things out of um, the guests. And I think she's told the story in a way that, you know, nobody else is telling it. I love that you said how quickly kind of this really has worked because just in, I've only been in the league four or five years now and it's night and day, you know, like from the time that I started and it's really cool to really see that change taking place and feel like we get to be like a small, small part of that. Um, you mentioned that your husband was obviously involved because she pitched the initial idea to him and he's featured on the first episode. So what was it like to work with him in that setting? <laughs> Well, we've definitely never done that before. So um, I did give her a prep session on um, a few secret things to ask about, including <laughs> what makes him cry. And she did make him cry. Um, he he does, he likes to cry at rom-coms was the big takeaway. But, um, you know, they talked a lot about his family, too, and um, his mom and what were, who were his influences. But um, it, it was fun. I joined that podcast. It, it was our very first episode. And I really, I thought it was important that people knew who Sam was too. And so I kind of played the role of third wheel there and that I got to ask her a few questions. So people got to know who she is. I mean, by the way, the second thing she asked me after how much time will it take to be a podcast, to become a good podcast host, she said, can I swear? So <laughs> <laughs> she, um, she really is so fun and funny. And I wanted to bring that out. And so that people immediately in the series got to know who she was and how, you know, truly authentic she is and how much of a great football mind she is too. Um, and then to have her kind of pressing him, I'm not the one pressing my husband on the questions. <laughs> He's pressing him on the questions and giving him the hard ones. It was a blast. Um, I think he had fun too. You know, it, it lasted a long time. He had 30 minutes scheduled in his office and we were there for two hours. So um, they, I think they, I, I would encourage people to listen to it. it we, we split it into two parts because there was so much mm -hmm. stuff, but it really gives a good um, view into how an organization, you don't have to be a football fan to listen, right? How an right. organization um, creates change. Um, and they're, you know, they talk about what are the stumbling blocks and how do the players feel about having a female coach? That's like, you know, one of the big questions mm -hmm. um, that gets answered too in the, in the series. Yeah. We heard that when we had a um, coach here, Lori Locust, who's with the Buccaneers now and training camp one year. And people ask me that all the time. Like, they don't care if she knows this game, she knows the game, you know, like they'll yes. learn from anyone. 
I love that you mentioned the um, rom-com thing because that was probably my favorite part of the episode. I just, that was the most surprising thing to me. Big um, Hugh Grant fan, Roger Goodell. I never would yes. have, never would have guessed that. And actually Sam tweeted when the episode came out, she tweeted at Hugh Grant when we were like, oh, please let him answer because we want them to have some sort of conversation. But alas, he is not. Doesn't matter though. Roger still got his, I guess you call it a man crush. I don't know what it is, but. Hugh Those- Grant comes on screen. It does not matter the movie. <laughs> They're all classics. That's fair. Do you have a um, Do you have a favorite episode of the Earning It podcast that you guys have done so far? Well, that is a little like asking me my favorite child, right? <laughs> so um, they're all really different, which is we did try to make them different. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I have a favorite. Obviously, the first two were fun because it was with Sam and Roger. Um, we had you know, Billie Jean King on to kind of um, give us some perspective. She was on an episode with some of the coaches and um, the female coaches and the head coaches, the male head coaches, and then to give her perspective on how change is made. And she was big on this idea of you have to find, you know, and I guess now they're called male allies, but, you know, in her day, it was just like men in power, right? Or men Mm -hmm. who want to be part of change. And, you know, she was big on saying, if you, if they don't respond in the first few attempts, move on, you'll find somebody who will help you. Um, so it was really interesting to, to hear, um, how much has changed since her day, but also to get that kind of, um, perspective and advice. She's a big Bruce Arians fan. They're close. She likes the bucks. Um, and she follows the Patriots too. So she's a big football fan too. Um, that was really fun. We have as a tease, our last episode of the season is coming out right before the Super Bowl, and a woman produces the halftime show. I don't know if you knew that Mm -hmm. Uh, Dion Harmon, who's a super genius production and musical (laughs) genius. And, um, we're speaking to her. And then we have this kind of funny idea of bringing along somebody who's at, in a story to could be the play the role of halftime historian and talk about what are the iconic shows and do you use history when you're going to develop this year's show and plan mm-hmm. it creatively. And so I said to her, what about Questlove? Somebody like that from the roots, right? From Jimmy Fallon's show who might be he seems like a real student of history and had been a professor and all this stuff. And she said, Oh, I'll text him. So they were friendly, which I didn't know. (laughs) And so we got so lucky. So they, the tease I'll give you is that they both said in things changed in 1993. Okay. And they explain why, and they go through a lot of the big shows. And then she gives a little hint as to what we're going to see this year. So, um, and he talks a lot about, they talk about their favorite shows and why and, well, and then, and then Sam asked them if you could pick a halftime show, you know, who mm. would be? they had very interesting answers to that. So that is right, a wild combination. You, yeah. I, I know. I know. It's fun. <laughs> I don't even know. What would you say to that? Would you have an answer to that? If you had a favorite halftime? Oh my gosh. I feel like it has to appeal to like so many different kinds of people, which is why I'm always mm. so impressed when they are able to do that, you know, like, yeah, it can't there's be not someone... that many acts, right. That do that. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm a big Drake um, fan, so I would okay. love to see him make it up there sometime. But I thought the the weekend one was really cool with all the like mirrors and everything. I mean, it has to be like visual too. It's, it's just- well, they do talk about that a lot. Is that they, you know, people they said people don't really focus on how it's really for television, right? It's right. not so much for what's in the stadium. And they said they knew that the show, the weekend show, was different because it was COVID. They were very limited in what they could mm-hmm. do, but that it would be successful because it instantly became a meme. The mirrors, <laughs> yeah. you know, when he was walking around, it was all over. <laughs> 
social media instantaneously. So they knew it would go down in history as a, a point, right? That it right. was, it was um, something that will always be like recalled and remembered. So, but they did, I, I don't know if they intended it that way or not. Um, that but, is interesting. Yeah. That makes it more memorable and it's kind of captured in history on the internet forever in that yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you mentioned kind of when we were talking about the podcast off the top that it's also there has a companion which there's a video series that launches on NBC and Peacock in January. So what can fans kind of expect from the video version of that? How does it kind of expand on the audio? Yeah, it's definitely different. Um, the podcast really is Sam's voice and talking about creating the pipeline. She is in episode one of our TV series because we start at the beginning of how these women really, a lot of them got there. We profile more than 20 women. Um, and it, it, it's really a, a lot about access to, it's the story of change also, but, um, NFL films, we get an incredible access. We're in owner suites at training camps. We're going to do it a really kind of a hopefully epic episode on halftime preparation. Um, Mary J. Blige will be in it. She is the one wow. woman out of uh, the five performers on stage. So there's an episode called, um, you know, kind of you go first and being the only woman in the room kind of idea. Um, a lot of trailblazers that way. Um, so it's not just the women you see on the field. It's also off the field. And um, it's, yeah, it's fun. Uh, one of our, um, you actually interviewed one of the, our subjects is um, Kim Mayali, who represents, oh, yeah. I think, Ronnie Stanley. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's great. She's with Saquon for his big comeback um, after he was injured, where we kind of follow her that day um, and are with them throughout that uh, season. And so anyway, it's a, it's, it's a very, very deep dive. That's awesome. Uh, That's really yeah, cool. It's fun. It's been a blast. It's really, um, it's a, it's, it's something that hasn't really been done before. And it's kind of a model we're using as like a docu-series that they, that films hasn't really done before, but it, I think it'll be great. Uh, I can't wait to watch that. Kim was great. She was literally like, when I was talking to her for the podcast, she was in the waiting room going to an injury um, appointment with one of her clients. <laughs> I was oh, like, I thought so I was funny. busy, like <laughs> no, <I'm> multitasking. <laughs> I don't know how, how you do that. Yeah. Um, but I love that the, the video series kind of reminds me of the documentary that you also did with N- the NFL on um, the life, a lifetime of Sundays, which highlighted for that kind of NFL matriarchs female ownership um, in the league. And it's cool to me, the kind of juxtaposition of these two projects. Cause like, mm-hmm. like you mentioned the, just over the last couple of years, we've seen so much change and these women have kind of been there, but they've seen the, the league change in their tenure with their families being in ownership. And they kind of don't even realize that they've been trailblazers in that way. Um, that's just like fascinating to me, the kind of two generations that like we're, de- we're talking about here. Yeah. You know, it's funny you point that out because the original idea when we did a lifetime of Sundays with the four women in their eighties and nineties or the team owners, as you said, m- my original idea was to do it together was to have. Um, so say you had Martha Ford who was, you know, running the team at the time in the owner's suite. And then you'd have Kim Pagula with the Buffalo bills mm. running the team and do kind of comparables, but we had, it was the hundredth year of this uh, NFL a few years ago when we were shooting the lifetime of Sundays and we had so much incredible history with those four women that we decided to just leave that as almost like an historical piece that they're just telling tales that hadn't been told really publicly before. Um, 
so so this was kind of a lifetime of Sundays also almost like 2.0 but it's turned into something because in that short period of time that was um let's say 2019 that the documentary came out and just within those two two and a half years there have been so many more women coming into these roles that Mm -hmm. um this became bigger not just a one piece documentary but we're doing a five-part series on it it's pretty exciting um to see you know just how quickly it's all happening for sure. It's cool to me because it seems like so much of your work has been on focused on amplifying these women in football. How, why has that been so important to you? Oh, well, I, you know, I grew up, um, the only girl and the youngest and my dad got season tickets to the Chicago bears in 1972. So I started going to games when I was a little girl. And it's funny. I, I always look around now. We were just at a Vikings game a few weeks ago, sitting in the stands. And my first thing I always do is look around to see like how different it is. I was an anomaly, right. And mm-hmm. I don't know, the early seventies, mid seventies as a little girl in soldier field, but now that's just so commonplace to see women and girls. Um, so it's so thankfully because I'm married to Roger, I like football. <laughs> it would be a real problem <laughs> if I didn't, but, um, and I do love the game and, um, and I do, I think secretly, probably I, if I had had, if there'd been more opportunities, I think like maybe I would have done something that one of these women are doing. It, it didn't really occur to me, uh, mm-hmm. cause there weren't, it wasn't the see it, you can be it then. Um, and I just, I really love their, how brave they are and, um, their ability to be trailblazers and take whatever that, you know, adversity comes with that and power through it. And they know that they're, you know, making a mark for um, next generations. And I just felt like, like, what a great story to take the most masculine place, right. (laughs) Which would be maybe an NFL football field and have women saying, I I can do this too, because as you know, Kevin Stefanski, who is the Browns head coach said on the podcast, um, you know, football isn't gendered. I have a daughter and I have sons and it's like, it's such a fascinating, great game just for kids to play. Right. And how did it become, you know, necessarily this way that you couldn't work in it um, just because of your gender. It shouldn't be that way. We want, you know, diversity of thought. Um, Anyhow. So it, so it really, that is kind of how my passions came together. I'd been a TV journalist for 20 years. And so I thought visually also, it's such a great story and we'd have great access if um, we had films involved and, so I feel very lucky. It's, it, I mean, it truly is like the absolute passion project. Mm, I love that. I get chills. Um, I, I love too, that you said, you know, in hindsight, you know, if those opportunities have been there for you, like you might have chosen to do something like that. We have, um, when we have our youth football camps here, they allow, they always obviously allow female athletes as well. And we've had coaches bring their daughters and their sons to these camps, these flat football camps. And I always see these kids out there. I'm like, I would have loved something like this when I was little, you know, and it's awesome. Like an NFL sponsored event. That's also for female athletes. It's so cool. Girls. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We have this great shot with the interview with Sarah Thomas, who's the official and she has a daughter she has two sons and a little girl and this great shot of her daughter dressed up as her Mm -hmm. for halloween right she's wearing the black and white stripe she has her ponytail sticking out of her cap um you know and she said that's huge to me to know that she doesn't have to wonder can i do this because i'm a girl it it won't be a question for her so Mm -hmm. um that's you know that's powerful stuff 
Yeah, totally. You mentioned kind of off the top when Sam approached Roger about the pipeline and I've really seen, you know, them, their collaboration, just being a part of the league. And what have you seen from him, kind of his drive to be more inclusive of women in the NFL? And is that something you guys have talked about kind of over his tenure? Yeah. You know, I wouldn't say we overtly talk about it because it's really just kind of who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he grew up in a family of all boys, which is interesting. He's the middle of five boys, which I always say explains a lot about his personality. <laughs> <laughs> he loves a good competition. Um, so interestingly enough, he didn't have sisters, um, which sometimes people say, you know, makes you more attuned to um, these types of issues. But it's always just been naturally part of who he is. A, a reporter asked me several years ago, is Roger supportive of women? And I just kind of laughed and I said, well, I wouldn't have married him if he wasn't, <laughs> right? It, it hadn't really occurred to me um, that I would be with someone who wasn't. We also now have uh, daughters. So I do think that's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, people talk a lot about the uh, girl dad phenomenon, but I, I do think they have an impact too. Um, and they are massive football fans, very smart football fans, and they are willing to say, tell him what that <laughs> <laughs> as daughters uh, generally are. <laughs> so uh, love to see it. Uh, Anyhow, so I, I think that's all part of it. It doesn't, we don't, we don't sit around and say, how can we empower women at all? I think he just, he, he also is just a type of leader who um, wants, he doesn't want to walk into a conference room at the league office and for people to say, gosh, you're right, Roger, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants diversity of thought. So whatever form that comes in, he wants the debate um, and he encourages it. So that's just a part of who he is. And so it would, it does make sense that, um, that he would be very comfortable being a leader in this field. Totally. I think that's like speaks to being a good leader in general, for sure. No matter what your role is, that's so important. Um, Kind of on the personal side, as I've been doing this podcast, like we talked about before, we've, I've talked to player spouses and moms, wife of our general manager and head coach, our head coach's daughter. And it's just really interesting to me personally, um, you know, dealing with kind of being in the spotlight of these roles and especially in a role where, you know, I talked to John Harbaugh's daughter and having to grow up in Baltimore, where if the team doesn't win on Sunday, she had to go to school the next day um, and face that, you know? So what is it like for your family? You guys are kind of on even more extreme because you're national, you know, not just in a local market to deal with being the family of the commissioner of the NFL. What is that like? Um, I will say that it's, um, First of all, it's uh, we always remind each other all the time, like we are so lucky. It is, as Roger always says, such a privilege, um, and we get to do the most um, fun and you know, kind of special things um, as a family. So um, I never want to sound like I'm complaining at all about it. I will acknowledge there are definitely hard days when you know people are tough on him, and is it tough on, on your family? Yes, uh, he he's the first to say that. Um, <laughs> I will say that I have learned from the way Roger handles it and the way my daughters handle it, and I'm trying to be better about it. Um, <laughs> it's really hard to see someone you love when things are said about them that just aren't true. People can disagree with their positions or decisions or whatever, but when they're saying things that aren't true, that's when it bothers me because I mm-hmm. also, I'm also in a strange position because I was in the media. So I was on the other side of it for many years. So um, 
it, 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 there are difficult days. I, as you probably know, I did, I, <laughs> I did not perform my best when I had like a secret Twitter account. Which, <laughs> <laughs> I'm never doing that again. I was totally embarrassed. And I had to come home and tell my children, don't do what I did. This is the teaching moment for the day. And they were like, mommy. <laughs> so they would never do that. They're very chill. Um, I would say the best like words of wisdom I ever got was when they were in middle school, they're twins. And one of them, I said, are you guys okay? I know it's a really hard day for your dad. And they had come home from school. And one of them said, I know who my dad is. It's okay. And I thought, hmm, I'm going to kind of adopt that as my, mm. you know, Zen mantra, maybe um, going forward is that you, I think you just have to, to know, you know, what's true and what's not true. And that comes with the territory and he doesn't let it bother him at all. Um, he uses it as fuel, as he likes to say, um, the criticism and likes to keep going and make things better, which by the way, we've heard a lot from these female coaches who, Mm -hmm. and, uh, women in other positions who deal with adversity all the time. And they say, you just have to, you know, you have to put it somewhere, either don't look at it at all, or you take it and you use it um, to power you going forward. Um, so I'm learning from everyone else. (laughs) I'm not the model of, (laughs) um, dealing with it the best. We talk about it a lot though. It's interesting. I did listen to the interview you did with Ingrid, um, and their daughter. Uh, we talk about it a lot is, um, at the annual meeting, you know, a lot of the spouses will, will have time to, um, see each other and meet with each other. And, you know, it's hard. Like, I, I think the teams, the head coaches, wives and GMs, and I think those, families have it harder um, because they also can not know what their fate is and have to pick Mm, up and move mm -hmm. um, and move their families. And um, sometimes it's harder being in a community like that, in that fishbowl. Yeah. So, uh, but everybody has different ways of dealing with it. So it's good to like air it out. (laughs) Yeah. I was, that was one of my favorite um, one parts when I was listening through to the earn it podcast, the episodes with Roger. And I just thought that was really refreshing. He had really great perspective on it. And even for me, like I deal with it on a much smaller scale, but it's so easy like to take things personally. And yes, yeah, you know, I think he said like, it's not a business for thin skin and that's so true. But, um, and I liked what you mentioned, like what Sam was saying, that they kind of talked to the female coaches about that. And she said, you know, don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't go to for advice. And I literally like wrote that down because I'm like, you know, I get on the internet and you read these things that people say about you and they don't know you, you know, and it's, yeah, I wouldn't go to them, you know, when I'm dealing with the decision I need to make. So that's really, it was really cool perspective. I thought. Yeah, I love that line. And also a few years ago. So um, at the annual NFL annual meeting, I get a lot of this big, big now group of spouses together and bring in people to talk. And Reese Witherspoon came a few years ago. And so I said to her, you know, you have a family and she's definitely stumbled in different places in her incredibly successful career. And I said, can you give advice for people in the room? It's not the same Hollywood and football, whatever, but you know, dealing with the media kind of is, and she, she was so funny. She said, don't scroll down. So we put it on a t-shirt. Like it's really good advice though. She said, you know, I'll post a picture. I'm not, I'm not asking for people to come, you know, I'm not looking for the comments. I just mm-hmm. post it. That's part of my world and my brand and all that. And I move on. Um, and I think that's a healthy way to look at it. It's, you know, easier said than done a lot of times, but for sure. I think it's Taylor Swift that just has her comment section completely off. Yeah. And I'm like, I aspire to that. Yes. someday. <laughs> also a good way to do it. 
Do you have a favorite memory from your time around the NFL? I know you probably have so many and you guys have had so many crazy experiences. Is there anything that really sticks out to you? Um, I don't know. I just feel like, um, I guess the one thing I would say is it's not really a singular thing, but every time I go to a stadium and you, it's like pregame and you take your seat and it's the buzz and then the national anthem and then kickoff and like that, you know, four minute moment or five minute moment. I, every, it does not matter if it's preseason, the Super Bowl, whatever it is. I think that is one of the most special um, experiences. It's like a truly American experience. It's um, a great, one of the greatest sports experiences. Um, So I, I, you know, you're talking about getting chills. Like I do get chills Mm -hmm. every single time going to a game. So I'm not sure I could pick one, um, you know, if the bears are winning. (laughs) you know that's good too but it's like the anticipation uh, before before the kicks even happens that yeah yeah the game's gonna go yeah I love that it's very electric right Mm -hmm. yeah it's all that energy Um, pulsing through yeah and you kind of forget it does it is a place that makes you kind of you know put aside you're not working you're off work and you're having maybe a beer and you're with your buddies (laughs) or whatever your family it's just a it's a cool. And just to see those athletes is like such a privilege too. like, they are the most, the things they do with their bodies are just so remarkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I don't know all of it. And then there are, the, you know, then there's so many remarkable guys off the field too, who you don't even really know about until you talk to them. And then they have these incredible, you know, foundations and the work that they do and um, with their communities. And so it's so true. I guess all of it. That's my whole, my answer is all of it. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> well, real quick, before I let you go, we finished each episode with a little this or that game. We call it the purple hot seat. So just three little rapid fire questions. So the first one is the draft or the pro bowl, your favorite off season event. So, so I have to pick a favorite child again is what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, I would say, let's see, Roger would definitely say the draft because he says he loves to be part. That's why they hug and like Mm -hmm. some guys cry and they pick him up because it's like part of their lives are changing, right? That moment, it's all that hope and everybody's equal. Nobody's winning or losing that day. Um, I do love the draft, but I would have to say I have, this is kind of cheesy, but I have like a romantic memory of the Pro Bowl because one of our um, big dates was where that he asked me if I wanted to go which is sounds so crazy <laughs> would you like to come to Hawaii to the Pro Bowl yes um, so I was like hey, yeah I'll do that so <laughs> that sounds very crazy but uh, it was a kind of wild whirlwind romantic so I'll guess I'll go with Pro Bowl for the romance factor I, I bet yeah. nobody's answered that before <laughs> absolutely not he <laughs> wins for that one for sure <laughs> that's the kind of date I'm trying to get into Hawaii yeah, yeah there you time. go <laughs> um oh. so this one is a little our their best Super Bowl host city but it's Ravens edition so our two Super oh, Bowls okay. it's either Tampa or New Orleans I gotcha okay so I was just in Tampa this year and almost nobody from out of town was there because of mm. COVID mm-hmm. so I, I got to see Tampa in a very different way. Um, you know, I, you know, we wished it was normal, but, um, but it was, so I got, so it, it was very charming because I got to see, meet a lot of locals and experience the city quieter, 
Um, so I really didn't know Tampa that well. And I loved it. I thought that was, the water was beautiful. The weather was incredible. It was just like, a, they were so excited to have that Super Bowl, obviously there and then have the home team playing. Um, New Orleans is hard to beat because you can kind of mm-hmm. walk everywhere. Mm-hmm. So Mm, I don't know. What do you answer? I guess I would say New Orleans maybe, but it's a tough call. They're both, they're all, every city is, has their own. Yeah. I'm biased. I lived in New Orleans for a year. I interned for the saints before I went to the Ravens. So I'm taking New Orleans for everything all the time, but the boat parade was really cool. That was awesome. And I feel like more cities on the water should do stuff like that. That So, I mean, I get it like COVID and everything. It worked out perfectly, but it was just, that was, and it was so fun. Yeah. (laughs) Watching on TV. Well, they also, that city, they use the water really well. Like they live Mm -hmm. on the water really well and they enjoy it. And it's not just something to look at. So um, yeah, anyway, no offense, Tampa. We love you too. (laughs) I mean, I would really go to either if we're being honest. So that's true. (laughs) And then this one's a little more for you. So your favorite storytelling media, podcast or documentary? Oh Oh, gosh. Well, this is funny. When I was a TV reporter, like working, uh, working up the ranks, going from smaller market to bigger market market, whatever. Um, they used to, as a local reporter, they would have you go and do read the news for some radio stations. And so I can remember going, um, one station I did it a lot for, and they had you go like in your pajamas. Cause you'd go at six <laughs> in the morning and then you'd go to work. And I remember mm-hmm. leaving once saying, um, I'm, you know, I'm a TV reporter. That's kind of what I'm about. But I remember leaving saying, that I love the power of ra- like radio, just having a microphone, you feel so much looser. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that we're doing this podcasting, I have to say in a funny way, even though I am such a visual person, but I love how intimate you can get. And um, I think you get really good answers from people when they don't have the pressure of feeling like there's cameras and people staring at them and that kind of stuff. When you're, it's almost like you're sitting around having a beer it just happens to be, you know, a microphone or you have headphones on. Um, so I'm kind of falling in love with podcasting. Yeah, I totally get so. that. I, the people definitely feel more comfortable when there's not like a camera in their face. Yeah. They don't have to worry about like smiling and sitting right the whole time and all yeah. of that for sure. Yeah. So um, anyway, and I think I was saying this earlier to you though, Cassie, but, uh, before we started recording, I have been listening to yours and your podcasts are so great. I really appreciate that. That means a lot. Thank you. And I'm so grateful for you taking the time to talk to us today. It was such an honor to be joined by Jane Skinner Goodell on this week's episode of the Purple Chair Podcast. We have one episode left in the first season, so stay tuned for that. Don't forget to leave us a rating if you're enjoying the podcast. Subscribe and tell all your people. I'll talk to you soon.